Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today is upon us. In less than 10 minutes from now, we're going to be joined by Mitch Moss of VEASAN's Follow the Money. We'll cover everything in wagering along with fantasy as Jamie Eisenberg is on with us here on the show. Don't go away. Sports today. Toward the end zone. It is Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. All right, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you here on the show. It is hour number two of our program. It's a two-hour show every day from 12 to 2 Eastern right here on FNTSY Radio, which you can also hear on iHeartRadio and TuneIn and Stitcher and wherever podcasts are played, including, uh, believe it or not, DirecTV has an app where you can listen to the show as well. I was listening to it. The other day there, you can also call me up here on the show. You have any start or sit questions, the phone number to dial is very simple. 844-843-6879. When you dial that number, you'll be speaking to Sean Guastamacchia, who uh, is taking good advantage of the pizza in New York and is going to tells me he's going to actually go with me there in March when we uh, when we come and hook up, going to do that. Maybe I'll be there sooner. I think it's on I the think calendar. There's a I got chance. It. I think there's a chance that I may be there sooner. My wife is convincing me to try and make another trip there. She's going to be taking my daughter there for some uh, Broadway uh, like winter camp, and she's trying to talk me into it. It's so far been very unsuccessful on her part, Sean. Yes. But if it ends up working and I get convinced, then you will see me there well, as well. But I guess then, I, should, that's, that's the I should give you a heads up if we're going to go to this place because I got into an argument with the owner of the place, actually, last time I was there. Already? Yeah, yeah. I was online uh, okay. waiting for my pizza. And there was people in front of me, like three or four uh, people in front of me, and uh, three or four people in back of me, right? So I'm waiting patiently, and I, I give my order right in, and then they go to the, the, the customers in back of me, they, they get their order. And any, in any event, to make a long story short, the people in back of me got their pizza before me, okay? Mm, and that's so okay. I said, hey, see where you're going here. Right? and they just happened to be attractive females, and so, uh, you know, and the, and the, the person uh, waiting on me happened to be a guy. So you could, <laughs> I guess, I uh, kind of went off a little bit on the guy. Um, because I, I, he, he takes the pizza out, and it, was, it looks a little crisp. And I was like, I'm not eating that. It's, that thing's burnt now. I'm, I'm not eating that. I was like, give me my money back. And they did. They gave wow. Me my, yeah. Uh, they gave me my Wait, money so back. So then you just left without even getting new pizza? Correct. Wow! Why? Uh, that's. I mean, were you in a rush or, or something? Or? I wasn't in a rush. I was. Just, well, first of all, I, I said to the You're guy, just I was like, "Wait a minute. Does yeah. that mean you'll never go there again?" Well, I just don't. Uh, you know, I kind of don't know how they're going to take it when I go back there if they remember me or not. But uh, no, I would you love think, to go you back. You think they will? I just just a heads up if if if, if, I can't, if we get there and they don't well, serve great. us. Thanks a lot, Sean. <laughs> you ruined the one pizza place that I wanted to try, and you've you've gone ahead and you've ruined it for me. Oh, yeah, you, you just have to. I'll wait outside. You could go in and get the pizza. I'll oh, give you, you the money. Come in? That's, that's <laughs> how it's gonna work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. 
But I recommend Thanks the pizza lot, place. <laughs> Just not the people who work there. Sure you do. <laughs> yeah, my my wife kind of has like a a fighting with people about food phobia. And I don't know. Just let me see if she's listening. No, she's not listening. Good. So what she likes to fight sometimes if the food is bad, but then doesn't want to eat after because she's afraid that they're going to do something to the food. I'm like, so then don't fight about it. Then don't go off on people. Exactly. About it that, then. I don't trust the. Pl- exactly. That. So now you know what I'm, I'm where I'm going. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I don't know. You don't go off, but sometimes you know you got to stick up for yourself, don't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you do, but. I don't know. Yeah, I can understand being skipped once because the guy loses track, but twice, twice, like come on! And my pizza's still in the oven. And it's baking and it's gonna burn my mouth. I mean, it's the worst. So I was like, I'm not eating that. Give me my money back. And it, 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 it does. It does seem a little questionable. I will say that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank it you. Seems a little questionable. Yeah. No, I, I know. But I'm just sad because that was like uh, one of the things I was looking forward to. They won't remember me. No, it's coming there. <laughs> and then remember, in July next year. And we're a long ways away from this. I mean, Sean, you could be working at ESPN by then. But um, in July <laughs> of next year, uh, I'll be up there doing another week of shows like we did this past year because my daughter is in the summer Broadway camp. And so that's oh, like sweet. locked and loaded. Oh, like, nice. We're definitely going to be up there for a week for sure. Or at least like the uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday version like I was last year. And so I'll probably be doing some shows from there and hosting. I think I may. But I, I, I'm ready to, to hit the, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm ready to do that. That's a lot Is of there fun. Any opening? You do a Are there any there. openings for me? Yeah. Are there any openings for me there or no? Well, you got to get up here first. And then, then yes, of course, there, there are some openings. Yes. I mean, just like a two-hour show? Like, what, what, give me the schedule. <laughs> give me the schedule. Give me the Sunday schedule, Sean. Not Sunday Saturday schedule. One. Oh, boy. Yeah. Are you, when are you there? Saturday? I am, yeah, Saturdays from 12 to 3 with Joe Lisi and, uh, you know, Rager Talk guys. They, they rotate. Um, and then okay, Gabe so takes over after three? Uh, Gabe Morenzi from three to six with uh, a cast of characters. Okay, so after six, there's nothing? Correct. Okay, so there you go. That's where I'll fit in, right there, after the after Gabe is done. I don't want to, you know, Gabe Gabe does his thing with his cast of characters, and then I come <laughs> on. Right, no, that would be great. And, and then what about the Sunday schedule? Are you fully aware of it, or we have to get Sussmany on that? I think we, ha- we need Sussman to, to talk about this. Uh, what's the Sunday schedule? Here he is, he's right here. The Sunday schedule what's in the Game sc- What's the Sunday schedule in, on, uh, on Zubo TV, Greg, so people know who are listening? Uh, I'm sorry, Craig, what was the question again? Uh, uh, Greg Sussman, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, sir. Uh, Sunday s- Sunday schedule. Yes. For Zoom for Zumo TV over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Yeah, on, we uh, we started uh, nice and early, eight a.m. We got DFS today with Mike Blewett and Joe Pizzapia, who of course your listeners know very well. I have no idea who that is. Okay, right. keep going. Joe continues on the nine a.m. hour with the Roto Experts in the Morning program. The brand's still gotcha. going. Okay. F- from 10 to 1, it'll be Mike Blewett, Dane Martinez, and Joe Ranieri hosting Pro Football Today. That is from 10 to Wait 1. Wait a second. So Joe Joe Ranieri from, uh, he's he's in Florida, though. He correct? is in Florida, yes. He is Skypes into that program. Gotcha. Okay. Well, now we got a problem here already, uh, Sean. You heard that, right? He's doing the show. He's not even there. Okay, keep going. And then from 1 p.m. through 8 p.m., all the games, it is in-game live with a... Uh, a ton of hosts, a lot of people that chime in from Gabe Morenci to Jared Smith to Kevin Walsh, many other people. Okay, there you go. So that's the schedule this weekend over on Zumo TV. Thank you to Greg Sussman for that. You can uh, catch Greg Sussman on the Fantasy BFF show. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish with you here on the show. Coming up in 15 minutes, we dive back into the fantasy conversation with Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports. He'll join us for two segments, 125 Eastern to 154 Eastern. Stay tuned to that. And then, of course, we have a little exit velocity, and Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto are standing by at 2 o'clock Eastern to take your calls and help you set your lineups. But before we go any further, let's dive into some wagering. Let's dive into some... Uh, view from Vegas, I guess is the best way to put it, with Mitch Moss from Follow the Money over on VSIN, and he joins me now following his show, which you can hear right now over on VSIN Live and, and on their website. You can also purchase a subscription to watch all of the shows on television as well, and they replay that show actually uh, over on Satellite Radio. Thank you, Mitch, for coming on. How, uh, how are you this morning? Of course, Craig. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing real well. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to another weekend. I'm, I'm putting my picks in right now for the Golden Nugget contest and the, and the Super Contest. I'll have to do a little bit later today or tonight. Uh, I feel like, for me at least, and again, I, I do pay attention and listen to your show and a lot of the other shows and the people who handicap and experts and so on. Uh, I don't know why it's strange that, at least consensus-wise, it feels like it's been an easier NFL season than it has been a college season, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense. I've always felt like college would seem to be easier, but just from tracking and scouting and doing even my own picks, for whatever reason, the, the pro football, with the exception of last week, last week was tough and pro, but overall, it seems like the, the pro has been easier? I mean, I don't know. Is that safe to say? I think uh, you hit it right on the head for me in particular. I mean, generally, I think uh, going back to actually last year, I had a better NFL season than college, but I think, I mean, for so many years consecutively before 2018, I don't even think it was particularly close. I mean, my co- the college bets were a lot better than the NFL bets because the NFL is just, I mean, look, you can have really solid years in the NFL, but it's difficult to like do a year after year after year. And in college football, you can find your spots and, uh, it seems to be a little bit, uh, you know, easier. Um, but for me this year with the NFL, and uh, in particular, I normally bet dogs. I will, you know, occasionally bet a favorite in the NFL. I did a couple times last week, so it was not a good week for me. And uh, that was silly, and I went against the norm, and I paid the price. But um, until last week, the NFL had been really, really good to me. And I think that it probably is, uh, you know, for a lot of people that I know, is pretty accurate. Yeah, and and, and on uh, in our live stream, uh, me and uh, Howard Bender, we do this uh, wager alarm live stream. We ended up last week taking Kansas City and New England, and then we came back uh, this Tuesday, and I reminded myself, and I reminded Howard, who's only been doing this for a couple of years, that we are never doing that ever again. Like, taking yeah. road favorites in the NFL... Like, you get out of your comfort zone sometimes, and then you think to yourself, oh, well, you know, that's going to happen. And then as I'm watching the game, I'm thinking to myself, why did we do this? Like, road road yeah. favorite teams in the NFL, Mitch, they just, they don't cover. And if you're going to pick yeah. both of those, you're play, you're praying for a split. Like, you're never going 2-0 oh, off that. Yeah. No, I mean, no. I mean, road favorites laying a touchdown like that, I mean, to, to get both of them to go 2-0. But I'm, I'm like you, and I, I mean, full disclosure, I had both of those sides. And how often is Tom Brady going to throw an INT uh, at the goal line? 
That never happens, right? But that Bills defense is totally legit. And uh, I did have the Chiefs in the circuit contest, and I'll tell you why. Because I, and this was a gamble, but I took it and I lost. Uh, I wait until as close to the deadline as possible. So out here, Pacific time, the picks from the circuit contest are due at 3 o'clock out here. I wait and I wait and I wait. And the Matthew Stafford news was, well, he's still questionable. Looks like he might go, but we're not sure. And I said, well, it was kind of bad the other day. So if he doesn't go, I mean, what's that number? 12, 13, probably? So I took a chance. And then, you know, I never thought that I would actually say this, but Matthew Stafford outplayed Patrick Mahomes. And, and I paid did. the price for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he definitely did. And that's that's an interesting strategy because you can – uh, even in the super contest, they don't have to be submitted until the late morning and early afternoon yep. here, and and I tend to try and wait as I as long as I possibly can until Saturday morning to do some of those things. But uh, I also like to take care of the proxy. I don't want to make them wait so yeah, long. Yeah, sure. sure. I mean, that, right. that, that's that's part of it. Uh, Mitch Moss is with us uh, from Veasan. Um, okay, so I from listening to you on the radio this week, and this is tugging my heartstrings, obviously, because I want the Gators to win, Mitch. Uh, I know that people who you've had on the show have also said that the Gators are overrated. They've fallen in the rankings, even with winning the games that they have. We know Kentucky was a miracle win. Uh, but, I mean, at some point, does Bo Nix fall off? Like, is this the week? Because if not, then Auburn has to be looked at as a serious challenge to LSU and Alabama because going on the road to that environment in Florida, this is this is kind of... Auburn's make-or-break week. I don't think the Gators are going to compete but I think for the championship. But Auburn certainly has those head-to-head matchups. They could. Uh, sure. Uh, let me ask you, because you would know more than me being in that part of the country and uh, being a Gator. Yeah, yeah I'm a Gator. You, yeah, <laughs> how, how, would, how would you rate the home field for the Yankees of Texas A&M with, what, 105,000, 10,000 people, whatever it is, compared to the Swamp? And the Swamp, you know, I mean, going back to when I was – not even in high school. It's like the Shane Matthews days. It was like, you can't go to the Swamp and win. So how difficult do you think it is to play at the Swamp compared to Texas A&M? Oh, I mean, f- for for almost 15 years, the Gators did not lose a single home game, yeah. Mitch. Mitch. Yeah. Um, sure. They brought in, they brought in uh, Jim McElwain and the home field advantage after that. Even with Muschamp as, as the coach there, they still won it. Virtually every home game, they brought in McElwain. That changed. They lost some easy games and some some cupcake games. I don't think it's the same as it has been previously, but for example, if I set a total Mitch on, on Trask, the quarterback for the Gators, and we Uh set a total of one and a half picks in this game. And if it's under one and a half, I think the Gators are going to win, but I, but I, that's where I'm, that's where I'm concerned with the mistake. I don't think Nick's is going to make mistakes. I think Nick's has got this down at this point. But right. if it's a if it's a low scoring game where the quarterback of the Gators doesn't make a lot of mistakes, I think the Gators cover that number. It may be a one, it may be a two. I know it's three in most spots, but that's my concern with Florida. Well, what did you make of the opening number at Circa to open that that up at pick? And I think that's the thing that people had a problem with is that the number should not have been picked. So the Sharps obviously bet on that, thinking that Auburn should have been the favorite here in this game. And I'm with you on Nick's, by the way. I think. After he got the growing pains out of the way against Oregon, it's only uphill now for him. I mean, I mean, in a in a positive way, clearly. I mean, because he got that accomplished, the comeback against the Ducks on a neutral, which is very difficult for him because he didn't do a lot, but he did enough. And then right. to play like he did a couple of weeks ago, and then just to put fifty six on the board last week. I mean, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah. Oh, next year, forget it. I mean, Auburn. Yep. They, they may not be the favorite ever going into a season because Alabama's always going to be the favorite in the West and the SEC. But <laughs> you would certainly think that. I, I think Auburn has a chance to beat Alabama this year, and so we'll see. I mean, like, we're going back to Cam Newton days. The last time I think that happened uh, on that. Well, actually, the, the crazy return for a touchdown. That's yeah, the, the kick, one. kick that, six. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that was the one. All right, in the NFL, we looked at the lines. I, I texted you earlier this week, but the line hasn't moved, so now I'm getting scared here of using this team in the contest. But I thought Atlanta was going to be my number one pick going into the week. I've, I've shifted that to Dallas. I think Dallas is going to be end up being my favorite pick of the week. I would love that to be three, but it looks like three and a half in most spots. But mm-hmm. uh, but I, should I get off Atlanta? Should I stay with them? I feel like Houston would be thrilled to win that game by one point. Well, I look at the, this game like this, and I was hoping for five uh, in the contest out here. I know the circuit's four and a half, and I'm seeing on the board right now. Houston's four at a bunch of spots, uh, four and a half at another one, and five still remaining on the board at a couple of other spots. I look at this game, Craig, like week two for Atlanta, where they were thoroughly embarrassed on the road against Minnesota. Um, the Vikings only threw the ball ten times that game. It was like, here's Delvin Cook, right down your throat. Good luck stopping it, and they couldn't. And they came back in week two playing a good Philly team, and they were desperate, had to have the game. And that game was much closer than it should have been, in my opinion. I thought the Falcons probably should have won by at least a couple, if not three scores. So now they're kind of down and out. They're one and three. I mean, how does Matt Ryan throw for almost 400 yards and they score 10 points? I can't get over that from oh, last week. But I think, I think yeah. that this number to me, I made the number three. If you can give me a point and a half more than that or two points more than that, I mean, this, good luck figuring out Houston, by the way. And there are so many teams in the NFL right now, right? I mean, I think we can agree on the elite teams. There's only a couple of elite teams. There are, you know, seven, eight teams that are really, really bad. But in the middle, what do we have, 20 teams that I have no idea about right now? Houston has to qualify as one of those teams. So to lay five points against the Falcons team that uh, I think is going to be, like I said, in total desperation mode, I have to take those points in this game. For sure. All right, Mitch, we're a little short on time today. we got okay. uh, fantasy stuff coming up, but uh, thank you for your opinion on both of those course. games for sure, and uh, have yourself a great weekend, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you for coming on. Yep, you too, pal. Good luck. All right, there's Mitch Moss from Visa and Follow the Money. He and Paul Howard every day. I'm listening to that show uh, live, on demand, wherever I can get it, to try and get an edge on my wagering, that's for sure. We'll take a quick timeout. Jamie Eisenberg joins us next right here on FNTSY. we got some exit velocity. We send it over to full-time fantasy at the top of the hour at 2 o'clock Eastern. We'll be right back here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go anywhere. We're back in just two minutes. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. Fantasy Sports Today as we dive into the world of Jamie Eisenberg over at CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Getting you ready for the Fantasy Weekend. And in the second segment, Jamie's been giving out some really good 
the fill-in DFS pick. So we got, I'm going to wait for that one. I write these down now every week. Uh, i got to pay more attention to this. Maybe I can help myself. Uh, Jamie, uh, good afternoon. Good Friday to you. Here we go. We are, hey, look at this. 25 30% of the fantasy football season is already in the books. It kind of flew by, didn't it? Um, yes, sort of. It depends on how much you're working. So, yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's hard for me to keep up, man. Like, I mean, you see, the thing for me, Jamie, is that I'm so into baseball. So this time of the year with the postseason, it's certainly okay. I'm not playing in any fantasy postseason leagues, but I'm grinding out the end of the baseball season and trying to navigate through the fantasy football season. I used to be a great starter in fantasy football, but now I've turned into a great finisher because all my attention can go toward that. I, I just simply can't put the time in. Uh, if I'm going to win any money in fantasy baseball, I ended up uh, winning one league, finishing second in another. But some of my other leagues take a hit because uh, of all this nonsense that's been going on in, in football in September. It was just crazy. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, for uh, for those of us, uh, I'm with you. You know, dabble in multiple fantasy sports. You know, that's the the, the juggling act you do. And and now we're getting to the basketball season. You know, so if you play fantasy basketball, you got to manage that also. So. It's uh, you know, it's it's hard to multitask, and you know we're both parents with kids that are active, and you know it's factoring those things in as well. So, um, I I sort of envy the people you know that only play in one or two fantasy leagues, uh, at times. You know, most people will say, well, you get to play in all these leagues, and it's your job. But you know, I, it sometimes you have to focus on other things while you're trying to manage all those fantasy rosters. Yeah, I think that people forget that. Uh, yeah, 20 years ago, Jamie and I were living in our parents' uh, you know, garage. But we're not anymore. We have kids. We have lives. We do things. Um, both of us are involved in Little League. I had to coach my Little League team the other day because uh, my head coach couldn't coach. He was coaching his daughter in a different league. So, yeah, it is uh, it is, it is bonkers. Okay, we always start off here with a little Thursday night recap. And dare I say, in the history of Thursday night football since its inception, I think, Jamie, this is the first time that we've seen back-to-back great games on Thursday night. Uh, there should be no bitching from anybody because last week's game was great. This week's game was great as well. Uh, let's start off with your one, like, let's say your biggest takeaway from the game in terms of fantasy. Was there anything in particular for you that stood out more than anything else? I have a couple. Uh, Chris Carson is the guy for Seattle. So anybody had any questions with Rashad Penny coming back? I think as long as he doesn't put the ball on the ground, there's no question he's their guy. And then Jared Goss, a frustrating fantasy quarterback. You know, he's um, he's thrown for uh, over 100. He's thrown over 110 attempts. Um, had over 110 attempts, uh, over 900 yards passing, and uh, he's come away with three touchdowns in that span with um, you know multiple turnovers. So he's uh, he, he's on the precipice, I think, of some good games coming. But right now, it's just uh, it's hard to trust him as a number one guy. Yeah, and and I and I think that's evident. The other thing that I noticed, my main takeaway, Jamie, from this is that yeah, look, Cup is going to get his, and Woods will certainly get his, and Cooks, if he's okay, uh, he'll always be a factor. But Jamie, there was a real emphasis on sort of those uh, shifty plays where they were running the tight ends in space with Everett and Higby. And I wonder, in the wasteland that is fantasy football with the tight end position, especially when you have bye weeks and two guys are off, if we're not looking forward to those guys being more part of the game plan. We saw it on the Seattle side. Disley looks like a sure-fire uh, tight end one at this point. But, Absolutely, yep. Yeah, but what, well, what about the Rams tight ends? you think that there's going to be more of an emphasis there, or was it just simply one game in the game plan? Well, it's two games, you know, because when he threw 68 attempts, you know, Everett was involved in that game also. And that was one I kind of looked at and said he had eight targets. I forget what he finished with, but 
Um, I was like, okay, you know, 68 times, everybody's going to get their, their share of, of targets. And then, but he comes back and he throws 49 times. And then you start to take a broader scope of what this Rams team is, is they can't run the ball. Um, you know, that's pretty evident at this point that Gurley's touchdown dependent and the offensive line is just really a, a big problem for them as a whole. And the defense is not very good. You know, they, they were great through the first three weeks, but you know, now they've been exposed for two games. And so it's putting the passing game, it's putting golf in these scenarios of if they're going to win, he's probably going to throw. 35, 40 times, you know, and I think that's kind of where it'll end up settling. But, you know, it's going to be a high-volume passing attack. And so you have the other layer to that of Brandon Cooks leaving the game with a concussion. And so do they trust Josh Reynolds or do they trust Gerald Everett? You know, that was kind of the guessing game we went through last year after Cooper Cup suffered the torn ACL, and it was kind of one week it was one guy, one week the other guy. So right now with the way Everett's playing, it's hard to say don't pick him up because that would be stupid. I think if you have a, a, a bye week, if you have an injury replacement, if you have a guy struggling, let's say like an O.J. Howard or a Jared Cook, then you look at Gerald Everett and say, well, I'll roll the dice on this, especially if uh, they play the 49ers next week. If the 49ers struggle for whatever reason against Ricky Seals-Jones or Demetrius Harris, then it's an easy thing to say, well, Gerald Everett's got a good matchup. He's getting targets. He's involved. They're throwing a lot. I'll buy in. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. It's At this point of the season, you're seeing teams do things differently. Minnesota is a great example of that. If, if teams are working with a certain philosophy, it is now time to make those sort of adjustments. And, and on the Seattle side of things, it's kind of more of the same, I think, Jamie, for the most part. I mean, honestly, when I think back about this, and, and look, the Rams did cover the game. They covered the point and a half, and Seattle ended up winning. But such a weird sequence for them where they don't go for it on fourth down. They attempt a field goal. They miss it. The Rams come back and score. And I think you more or less hit it on the head. Like, yeah, I mean, you should feel good about cashing your bet if you bet on the Rams, if that's what you did. But I don't feel really good about them based on what I saw. I thought Seattle more or less put the Rams in a good position to to win the game or even cover. I, I, I thought Seattle more or less dominated the game. Uh, they did. You know, it kind of went in spurts. It looked like Seattle was, you know, playing really well early. Um, I had a, a – I, I tweeted that Jared Goff, you know, just, just point around, Jared Goff has become Blake Bortles because Bortles is now his backup. And then for the second and third quarter, I was getting killed for that. And then in the fourth <laughs> quarter, when Goff is making more mistakes, like, oh, you know, you're kind of right. Um, it, it, uh, it's one of those situations where this, this team, I don't think, has found its identity yet. And, and that's, you know, strange to say because they bring back so many guys from a year ago that went to the Super Bowl. But – I just think the lo- the losses on the offensive line, Whitworth is older and a little bit slower. Uh, they're not blocking to the same level. You see it's how it's impacting Todd Gurley. And, and the defense, you know, while they looked amazing through the first three weeks, you know, I think you take just, again, a, a little bit longer look at it. And then you know, some of the opponents that they played, and, you know, now they're facing teams that are, you know, sort of challenging them and spreading them out. And um, it, it's showing some of the flaws. So the Rams are in trouble. Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be an interesting thing to see how they rebound against what could be an undefeated 49ers team next week. Yeah, I mean, thirteen and three or or twelve and four, I think I think is out, man. Like I I don't I don't think that that's a possibility for the Rams this year. Uh, one more thing, and then I want to get to Seattle. You you alluded to something that I agree with, and and my flaw was believing in the Super Bowl that Gurley was going to play, and so I got destroyed on that one, Jamie. I thought I thought ah, they've been sheepish with Gurley the whole entire time. Uh, you mentioned being touchdown dependent, and and I mean, like for fantasy, we can't project the future. We don't know. But, Jamie, I could see Todd Gurley out of this league after next year. Like, really. Like, I, I don't know. It, there must be – it's this injury, arthritic, whatever it is, much, must be more serious. And to me, it's not the running. Jamie, it's the uh, ca- uh, pass catching out of the backfield. That was what made Gurley the number one running back in fantasy football two years in a row was, was looking like what McCaffrey does now. 
I, 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 can we say after this, after five weeks, that Todd Gurley will never be what we thought he was? I mean, that, it looks like that's it. Uh, it. It's certainly trending in that direction. No, but it's it's weird because the Tampa Bay game, he had, I think, what, seven catches? And, yeah. you know, was back involved in that part of it. So it's been sort of these ebbs and flows with him. You know, I, I kind of expected them to, you know, go back to him significantly in this game. And I don't know if 15 carries is significant enough or 14 carries, whatever he finished with. Um, because he had the five carries last week, they got down 21, nothing. It sort of said, okay, you know, you don't want to put Jared Goff in the situation of having to throw the ball a ton because 68 pass attempts and then playing four days later is not an easy turnaround. But, uh, I thought he looked good in the first half. You know, he was, he was about four, 4.4 yards per carry after he scored the first touchdown. They went into halftime and then it sort of just got worse. Again, I don't know if it's just the offensive line not playing well. Um, he looks like, you know, the, the, he's running to contact as opposed to trying to make people miss. So I, I don't know if it's a health thing, if it's a line thing, if it's a, you know, trust thing from McVay, you know, so uh, I don't know if I'm there with you yet that he's out of the league, but, you know, I think it's one of those situations where maybe we're, you know, undervaluing how good that Rams offensive line was a year ago and maybe overvaluing what Gurley's done the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I don't know. You know I don't know if, if we see eye to eye on that. I just, I don't see the same guy. I see the, the ball being oh, I, him I, in the backfield. Oh, I agree. Yeah. He, he's, he's not the same guy. There, there's definitely a decline in play, but I, I think it's also, you know, if you were to say after the Rams game from a receiving standpoint, that was what you were hoping for. You know, if you were to tell me they're going to target him and he was, he was making people miss in, in, in the passing game, last night was a complete reversal. Of that. Yeah, I, I guess what I was hoping for um, is, yes, he did have some volume last game in terms of catches too, but I'm just waiting for this Alvin Kamara uh, three catches, 65 yards, and a 25-yard touchdown. Like, that was Todd Gurley for almost three years. And sure. and I don't know. You know, I mean, look, you may be right. I mean, there may be a part of that that is involved in it, but the Rams also, Jamie, do such a good job with their wide receivers blocking and their tight ends blocking with the, with the amount of offensive shifting that they do. I'm just hoping for that. But, look, let's, let's not be picky here. Todd Gurley, at the end of this week, is going to grade out probably like an RB1 because of the touchdown. So if we're looking at results, that's the, that's the bottom line. Uh, uh, yep. Real quick, uh, Jamie, uh, 30 seconds here. Uh, we know what Russell Wilson is. Lockett is locked in as a wide receiver one at this point, no doubt. Uh, Will Disley, where would you rank him moving forward as a tight end? The number three guy, the number four guy, the number five, two? I don't know. This guy's been great. He's been great. You know, I, I don't think he's uh, he's in that top five just yet, but I think you're talking top ten for sure. You know, so when you look at it, uh, you know, the, the tight ends, is it, it's pretty cut and dry. You know, he's uh, he's behind, at least in my opinion, you know, Kelsey, still Ertz, still Kittle, because I think the best production for those guys is yet to come, uh, Ingram as well. But, you know, that's where he starts to get into the conversation here, you know, with, with Darren Waller, who's been great. And, um, you know, I'm probably leaving a guy or two out, but just, uh, you know, with, with what he's done, you know, this was his worst game since week one when he didn't play, and he still got to 12 PPR points. So it's, it's pretty clear that he's going to be a significant playmaker for this team. And, you know, I like him coming in for the year, not to this level, but uh, he's, he's performing and, and producing, and you got to love it. Yep, no doubt. We'll be back with more of Jamie Eisenberg. Get you a preview of this week's games right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Jamie Eisenberg. Fantasy Sports Today with Jamie Eisenberg of CBS and CBS Sports. Before we get into this week's games, and I guess notwithstanding the game last night, uh, you know, rankings to me is fickle, Jamie, because guys get hurt. And so certainly I respect when people rank players, but I'm kind of more interested in the outcomes and the results. And I know you're playing in a lot of leagues. Um, What would you say so far through 25% of the season has been your biggest hit? And what would you say has been your biggest miss so far in fantasy? Like the one, the one player you have the most that you're so happy about and the one player you have the most that you're not, is is there someone in that category for you? Biggest uh, miss, I guess would probably be Baker Mayfield. You know, I thought that uh, the addition of Beckham building on what he did a year ago, I really thought Todd Monkton coming in as a, you know, I, he's offense coordinator by name, but, you know, it's Freddie Kitchen's offense. But I thought just his influence would would help this team and have them playing at a at a much higher level, and that clearly has not been uh, been the case. Um, you know, uh, the yards are starting to pick up, but the touchdowns haven't been there, and he's been just a, a disaster of a fantasy quarterback. Uh, biggest hit? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't, I don't – I'm really taking a – Okay. I'll look at that and saying, you know, um, I'm really happy with how maybe Chris Godwin. You know, I, I was really. Oh happy yeah, with him. that's um, a pretty good one. You know, <laughs> that's um, you know his, uh, but it's funny because I was hiring him last year too, and you know he played well, but not to this level. You know, I just think that he's uh, he's he's showing. It, it's funny because Bruce Arians said before the season, or you know, in in some point this summer, um, that he was going to get 100 catches, and I think collectively the the fantasy community sort of laughed at that and said, oh, he's going to be good, but. That's a that's a lofty number for a guy to get to that's never shown that before, and he's on pace for it. You know, he's just having an absolutely monster start to the season, and I don't see it slowing down. Yeah, and it's interesting. I have uh, I have Godwin in one league, and so I, I said on our show earlier this week, if you had Godwin this past week in fantasy, my belief is that you won your league with the small caveat. And that would be as if you played against Nick Chubb. Other than that, you won. And guess what? I played against Nick Chubb in one of the leagues that I had Godwin, <laughs> and I lost. I mean, that's, yeah. that's that's part of it. The only the only two forty point scores last week, so that was a big yeah, part I of have, that. Yeah, uh, I have a couple leagues with Chubb and and Godwin. Wow, uh, you won that one. <laughs> yep. You, did, you yeah. did not lose that one. Let's stick with no. Tampa Bay uh, this week against the Saints. And uh, my producer, Sean Guastamacchia, he and I have fought back and forth on Winston. And and look, I'm going to give credit to Winston where it's due, although he did almost give that game away again at the end last week. JB, I still am not trusting Winston in fantasy. I I am just not. I know that he's had some really big games, but I still think that along the season, there's going to be a lot of speed bumps, a lot of picks, a lot of interceptions. 
51. I don't think that that's saying very much because I could name 10 quarterbacks in the league I would never start in fantasy. But it's against the Saints this week. Their defense has played great. Certainly, Jamie, if he does it this week for me, I'm going to have to start changing my opinion. Yeah, and, and it's fair. Uh, it's certainly fair. And, and I think, you know, the the game that sort of uh, opened my eyes, because I thought he played well against the Giants, was, was last week. But maybe we're seeing just how flawed this Rams defense really is after watching them on Thursday night. But I do think that, you know, Bruce Arians' system, I always thought would benefit Jameis just because I think he will allow him to make mistakes without having a quick hook. Um, not that there's anybody that they can turn to like a Ryan Fitzpatrick on their team. But still, you know, just the the fact of what Arians' track record has been with allowing quarterbacks to sort of play a little bit more free. Now he can't throw pick sixes like he has. Uh, I think it's not three on the season. You know, that's just uh, something that they can't allow. But um, you're seeing now the, the benefits of what this offense can be. And we have yet to see anything from O.J. Howard, whether we do or not. But it's, there's still that potential there that if they can add that third element to the passing game. Um, I thought this offensive line has played really well the last couple of weeks. Um, I'll go back. I had a conversation. I probably referenced this before, but I had a conversation with Carson Palmer um, after week one, and I asked him, you know, he, he played for Bruce Arians. I said, you know, how long is it going to take for Jameis to sort of grasp the system and for things to start to click? And he said, give it two to three weeks, and I promise you you're going to see a bunch of 302, 303 types of games. There'll be some mistakes, but that's kind of what you can expect from Bruce and, and when everything clicks. And sure enough, two weeks later, you know, here we are, the Giants and, and the Rams, and he beat them up. And so when you have Mike Evans, who everybody's going to say is a must-start receiver, which he is, and Chris Godwin has become that, which he is, um, you know, it, it's the age-old argument. You know, can the quarterback support the receivers or are the receivers just making the quarterback look good? And in this case, I think it's both. You know, Jameis is just playing at a high level, and so I would start him this week, and I think he'll have another good game. Yeah, Saints uh, look great against Dallas, so we'll see. I mean, that was one of the best defensive performances I've seen by a team all season long. The Cowboys finally looked mortal. Cowboys will play the Packers this week. Uh, uh, Bears and Raiders, Jamie, will play in London. The Raiders are one of the most unpredictable teams on the face of the earth and have been for the last few years. They're either really bad or they shock you. And on the side of the Bears, uh, they look pretty good without Trubisky in there. Uh, Chase Daniel played pretty well there, and I would you know, kind of expand the conversation with this. David Montgomery is still a player that people are holding out hope for with all of this volume that he's going to end up breaking some tackles eventually and scoring some touchdowns. Are you still holding out that same hope? Will it happen this week against the Raiders? I, I haven't seen it. I have Montgomery very heavy with him, Jamie, like a lot of other fantasy analysts. But when I watch him play, uh, I, I don't see the same guy that I saw at Iowa State. Maybe it's just going to take some more time, or is this the week against the Raiders? I think this is the week, and yes, he's been very underwhelming. He's actually our start of the week on, on CBS Sports. So um, I think there's a... There's enough of a sample size of what this Raiders defense has allowed over the last two seasons, you know, with the same defensive coordinator and Paul Gunther. There's uh, a loss of Vontez Perfect, which is going to hurt, you know, the middle of that defense and, and, you know, say whatever you will about him. You know, he's a good, uh, a, a good run stuffer and, and helps that defense tremendously or has been. And uh, I think, you know, the, the fact that he's still getting the volume in a game where there's a backup quarterback should allow him to have some success, if not a big game and not potentially, his best game this season. Um, you go back to last year, there was 13 times where running back had at least 14 carries against the Raiders. And in 12 of those, the running back has gotten either 100 total yards or a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen that from him in terms of the yardage. He has scored one touchdown this season, but he has at least 18 carries or more in two of his last three games. So 
So I think they lean on him as much as they can. I think they'll be playing with the lead because I don't think the Raiders will do very much against that defense. And so I like the setup for him in a big, big way this week. So I, I'm excited about Montgomery. Yeah, I, I hope so. I really need it. I've been I've been waiting for it all season long. Um, Indianapolis KC on the Sunday night game, Jamie, that has the highest uh, Vegas total on the board at 56. I think we know what we're getting from Kansas City in terms of points. We just never know who we're getting it from. And and I guess we'll have to keep an eye on the Indianapolis practice reports this week. I don't know, uh, you know, by the time we're on the air here, what the story will be with Hilton or Mac. But uh, how, how are you kind of looking at the Colts this week? Because to me, losing Hilton last week, I, I've maintained on this show, I think that he's the most important wide receiver to any quarterback in the NFL, being Jacoby Brissett. I thought that was really exposed last week. If he doesn't have Hilton... And Mac this week, I I don't know how Indy stays close in this one. And by the way, I like the Colts. I think they're a nice little team. They could win eight, nine games, but I don't see how they do it without those guys. And Leonard, I should mention as well. Yeah, it sounds like Leonard's going to be back. Um, It's interesting you say that about Hilton because I I agree to a certain extent, but Brissett had his best fantasy game without Hilton on the field, you know, so he was able to sort of, you know, uh, take advantage of, which I I thought would be the case with Hilton now, leaning on the tight end. Now, Ebron had a little bit of a fluky touchdown, but... Um, you know, Jack Doyle had a spike in targets. He played well. Um, you, you saw guys like Zach Pascal and, uh, and Chester Rogers step up. Paris Campbell's also dealing with an injury, too. So there's another guy that could be out. So um, if he has Hilton back and if, uh, you know, just from the passing game perspective, if Hilton plays, you know, I think it's easy to buy into Jacoby Brissett, who's been 19 or more fantasy points in all of his starts and six points for passing touchdowns. And so he's just been playing at a very high level. Um, to me, the, the, the best thing about it is why I wasn't bailing on the Colts. I agree with you. I think there was an opportunity for them to stay competitive even without Andrew Luck. That offensive line is arguably the best in football. And so he's got a lot of time and he's just, you know, you know finding guys open. So if he has Elton in there, then it's easy to say Jacoby Brissett's a must-play quarterback. But I think he's there anyway, just with the, the idea of them chasing points. Um, if Mac is out, I would give a slight lean toward Jordan Wilkins, even in PPR. Now, Hines will catch more passes and probably has the higher ceiling. He just doesn't typically do very much with the passes that he gets. But the Chiefs, uh, I saw this stat this morning. It's from a Colts reporter, and I, I, I hate not giving credit where it's due, but um, it, it's one of the, the Colts beat writers um, uh, tweeted out that or wrote a story about it that uh, the Colts are allowing 5.8 whatever decimal points the Chiefs, excuse me, are allowing 5.8, you know, almost 5.9 yards per carry. It's the second most yards per carry allowed through four games since 1970. Hmm. So wow. you, see, you see teams are running on them. Mark Ingram did it in their building. on Johnson, who, you know, the week before was averaging uh, under two yards per carry, had 125 yards rushing. So I think they'll try and do it the same thing that the Lions did, is slow down the game and, and try and run the ball. So it would be a great setup for Mac if he plays. And if not, I think Jordan Wilkins is so widely available, could be a good sleeper this week. All right, let's end with Jamie Eisenberg of CBS Sports with the biggest conundrum, I think, in all of fantasy sports right now, which is the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, okay, uh, Jamie, uh, Joe Pizzapia, my co-host during the weekend, I did a deep dive. Cousins' numbers the last four years are really good, okay? Like, I'm not really sure what's happening here. I'm watching the Vikings as much as anybody else. I'm seeing them struggle. I don't know what is responsible for it. And I honestly think, Jamie, this is pretty clear-cut for me this week. One or two things is going to happen. Either Minnesota is going to respond in a big way. They're going to take this offense out of 1974 and bring it back to 1994. 
or uh, this is kind of it. Like, I don't know which way they're going to go here. I have no prediction for it, but you guys, I'm sure, are discussing this every single day. What do we make of the Vikings? Is it a bust season for Diggs, for Thielen, for, for Cousins, for everybody else? Or is it just at the end of the year these numbers will be there? Which one is it? Schedule starts to lighten up for them starting this week in terms of some of the secondaries they're about to face. But just for this week alone, I think this is the squeaky wheel game for Adam Thielen. You know, we see this all the time in the NFL, whether it's guys complaining or guys talking up somebody that's been struggling. And it's happened a couple times already this season. Mike Evans against the Giants goes for 190 and three. Devontae Adams against the Eagles. Aaron Rodgers saying he wanted to get him more, get him more involved. You know, he had, uh, what, nine catches in the first half and was on his way to 200 yards before he had the the toe injury. So I think feeling complaining and the frustration that's coming out from Diggs, it's all happening at the right time because the Giants think. So, you know, if there is a week to say I'm buying into feeling for sure, because, you know, whatever's happening with Diggs requesting a trade, you know, I don't know how that will trickle over into, you know, a, a coach like Mike uh, Zimmer and wanting to just say, you know, stick it to him. And if he wants to, you know, we're not trading him, but we're going to make things uncomfortable for him. You know, I could see something like that happening. I doubt it because I think they like Diggs, but, you never know. Uh, but I think this is a Thielen must play in daily. Thielen is obviously a must starter, but I think this is the big blow-up game coming for Adam Thielen this week. And I do think that Cousins, while it's not saying much, will have his best game to date fantasy-wise. He's not a bad dart throw if you're looking for somebody cheap in, on the daily side. Okay, do you want to end with Thielen being your your uh, like DFS play of the week? Is, is that where you want to go? Or is there I mean, he's, 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 in, he's in that conversation. If you want somebody cheap, and you know, it's not just for daily, it's also for, for seasonal, is, is go look and see if Auden Tate is available in your league. Um, you know, with John Ross being out for the season, or, or short-term IR, whatever it's going to be, um, you know, that's eight targets per game that are available. They're playing the Cardinals. I, I don't think that's a very good defense at all. It's a daylight game for Andy Dalton, so you don't have to worry about primetime Andy showing up. And Tate has had 16, 16 targets the last two weeks. So look at him. Look at Tyler Eifert. The Cardinals, as we know, stink against tight ends. It's an easy you know, stack to go with the Bengals this week. All right, there you go. Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports. Thanks again for coming on the show, Jamie. We'll talk next week. You got it, bud. Have a good one. All right, that's Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Exit Velocity is next. Number one. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish. And welcome back to the show, and it is time to end how we always do here on Fantasy Sports Today. You can't end with a little... 
soft take radio. You got to end it with a hot take. So we will do that here as we end with a little exit velocity. I feel the need. The need for speed. Ow! Exit velocity. Nice velocity. All right, I'm ending the show here. I know it's a football weekend, but I am going to end this with a little baseball. As we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, uh, you know, some of you love it. Some of you hate it. I don't know where you're at with it, but let me give you an idea. If you are a baseball fan, today is probably the best day for you of the baseball season. I mean, you talk about postseason. Rays and Astros at 2. Cardinals and Braves at 430. And then you've got the Twins and Yankees at 7, Nationals and Dodgers at 9.30. What are you doing? Get into some baseball today. It's the best day of the year. Four playoff games from day till night. I'll end the show, and I'll end the week with that. Thanks again to Sean Guastamacchia for producing the show, for uh, also Jamie Eisenberg for coming on, as well as Mitch Moss, and also Greg Sussman for helping out today as well. I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. Talk to you Monday at noon. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya.